Blog Talk Radio. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Butterfly Talk. This is the monthly radio show slash podcast that focuses on education about epidermolysis bullosa, understanding, support, and encouragement, tips, and general information regarding advocacy and need for awareness. All about EB, basically. My name is Sylvia, and I'm your host, and I'm also an EB mom. My son, Nikki, is 18 years old and has the recessive dystrophic form of epidermolysis bullosa. My guest today is Jessica Kenley. Say hey, hey everybody. Oh, hi, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> Hello to everyone. And Hello. So, Jessica, tell us a little, about, a little bit about yourself and your family, and what do you want everybody to know about you? Well, I was raised in a fairly I was raised in the United States in a very very small town that was very conservative and didn't um have a lot of um you know medical care or anything like that but it was you know and there's a lot of hush hush like you know even still with like stigma stuff stuff like that with diseases and stuff like that so small towns I mean, yeah. my family was separated. Um, when I was 12, we moved states from New York to PA the, so okay. that my mother and father could. Um, my father wanted to pursue a, a business in traditional archery uh, manufacturing, and my mother wanted to um, be a teacher. So yeah. we moved, and then, you know, my, my it was like my family became sort of smaller, you know, so yeah. it was, I, um, I, I sort of identify myself as someone who really treasures things like family and, you yeah. know, sticking together and, you know, strength and numbers and stuff like that, movements and things, because I know what it's like to be alone you know yeah. and it's no fun at all so i'm yeah. i love things that make me happy are things like animals and you know babies yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so um uh, so you lost two children ethan I did. and kaylee to junction or herlitz epidermolysis bullosa what do you wish someone would have told you when they were born well it was when Ethan was born i was he was my firstborn, and he was you know the whole pregnancy had been completely normal. He was a big you know healthy boy, you know he was seven ten and twenty one inches wow. long, you know right he was like average 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 for everything run down the list, and I had actually been concerned about I have systemic lupus, so we had actually oh, wow. had genetic testing done to to predict things like any heart problems, any, I mean, we went to perinatologists. We went to every, I was convinced that this baby was like the picture, it was going to be the picture of health and my life was going to be awesome. Oh. I had a new job, you know. Yeah, it was of course like, they don't test for EB, right? And it's yeah, they rare. don't. And yeah. when he was born, the doctors were, 
they seemed like they didn't have any idea. They were as shocked as me. The doctor that delivered him said she was in practice for 30 years and never saw anything like it. They acted yeah. like they didn't know what they were doing. And I, yeah. this was sort of a theme in Ethan's existence in my life. And he was born in 2004. And, you know, I, yeah. in my mind, you know, we're in the age of technology and medicine. Everybody knows everything, right? <laughs> you know? Yeah. And Nobody you're in Pennsylvania. Told... You're not in third world country or anything. Right, exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And so they kept telling me, no one told me the truth. Like, yeah. every time I brought him in, you know, brought him in and he was worse, they kept telling me to just hang in and he'll get better, but they weren't giving me any new, better treatments. Nothing was working. I was, you know... How was he diagnosed? Through a biopsy or? Well, actually, um, no, because (laughs) the doctors in this is, I'm like the only one in forever that didn't ever have my kids. He was diagnosed just um, because of clinical symptoms and signs, and it became obvious when the Deborah Foundation of, America, at that point, they had a family advocacy program that Leslie Rader um, had pioneered. She, I was her, Ethan was her first um, baby. Her daughter, Lauren, had um, just died, I think, four months before, I mean, from junctional herlets, and she was bound and determined to show, you know, go places to teach people how to care for these babies because the doctors weren't doing it for us. So she flew from Kentucky (laughs) to Pittsburgh, where I was living at the time. Ethan um, and I lived in Pittsburgh. And she came to my house because I had gone to several pediatric dermatologists. I had gone to... I had gone to every specialist that he, he that was recommended and done every treatment that was recommended, and he was doing terrible. I mean, and it was just me and him, like at home. Yeah. I didn't have a husband at the. I left my husband at the time, and it, I had nurses that you know were would come in, but they didn't know what they were doing either. So, Leslie Rader came in, and she. Said, you know, we set up a. She was wonderful, you know. Of course, she knew everything, yeah. and she was like, uh, "This is what we're gonna do." And he was enrolled in this daycare. I was so lucky to have a daycare just blocks away that was actually staffed by nurses. It was called Child's Way, and it was, um, you know, overseen by doctors, and it was for working mothers with special needs babies. Oh wow, That's and it was. I I was amazed. I was like, I was made to, you know, this was wonderful, you know. So we, Leslie even went there and taught those nurses how to take care of him and everything. And at the end of her visit, she said, listen, Jess, I don't want to be the one. I I hate to say this, but I'm an expert in, like, junctional hurlets because... I, you know, we become, I mean, the mothers and the 
families of these children. I mean, we become the medical experts. You know, we oh, know everything about them. We know everything that absolutely. works, everything that yeah. doesn't. She said, this looks not like simplex, like they had diagnosed him. He, they, they were telling oh. me he should have been getting better. I felt like I was doing it wrong. I yeah. was, no, it was devastating for me when they would send me out of the doctor's office and not, and nothing had changed or even things had worsened, you know. Yeah. So I talked a lot with people like Madeline Weiner, who is not at Deborah anymore, but she was the, the, the nurse the at the time. Yeah, yeah. And I talked a lot with people in the EV community, and it was very, very obvious that Ethan um, had internal involvement very, very soon in his life. Like, you in know, the track, you mean? In street, the track, breathing. Pump, the breathing. Yeah. For, yeah. Uh, pulmonologist you know, at three months old and stuff. So it was, I didn't think that biopsying my child who <laughs> was already missing most of his skin was a kind thing to do. And it didn't seem yeah. like the doctors knew what the heck they were talking about anyway. So, yeah. at, and what, you know, I was being told we can biopsy him later when he's two or three, you know, don't worry oh, about gosh. it now. This is, you don't, you know, this is small potatoes. And I was so like, how old was he when he finally passed? Seven months. Seven months. And so did you I, know? Did you know he was gonna die at that point? Yes. I, in my book, I wrote, you know, at, at about five months, it became apparent. My sister had moved in with me at the yeah. time to help care for him because it was not possible to do, you know, just one person like and work full time. I. Oh, I have. Yeah. I was on a career track that I thought I was, you know, headed for greatness. I was teaching at a college at 23 years old, so wow. I felt like I couldn't. I didn't. Well, I didn't want to give up my career, and I, it wasn't even on my mind because I thought he was going to be fine. He had this great daycare. I had help at home, you know. Yeah. But if I would have known that he was going to die, I would have never. You know, yeah. trucked him back and forth in the car seats and the nurses and the nursing students and all the, you know? Yeah, yeah. I would have kept him at home with me. So how did but, you, what did you do different then with Kaylee? So with Kaylee, when Kaylee was born and I knew, you know, the instant she was born that she was going to die, that she, oh. we had had all the testing done on her too. <laughs> That was available in yeah. the United States at the time. And they told yeah. me if I wanted to, you know, pay for it out of pocket, you know, it would be, it, you know, minimum twenty, thirty, fifty, a hundred thousand dollars <laughs> I uh, believe it. that I could do that. But according to the protein tests that they had and everything, she looked fine. There was a 75% chance that she would be fine. Right. I couldn't. I couldn't do the, I was offered an abortion and, you know, tortured myself over it, fought with myself and decided that a 75% chance at a healthy baby is something I couldn't throw away. So with with Kaylee, I, from the second she was born, I was like a tiger. I mean, no one touched her (laughs) in the doctor's office. (laughs) Except for me, I was like, okay, here's the deal. I'm going to yeah. tell you what you're going to do, and then right. 
You're like, you're going to do it this way, and if you don't, you're going to find somebody else to do it my way, like signs and posters and stuff, no tape, no, you know, stuff like that. So what is the best advice, actually, that somebody gave you? Just let me. You have to have somebody who's been there before. Reach out. Get as many people. Shout from the hilltops. My baby is super special needs, and I need to know every single thing that I can do to help them. Because I was in, like, you know, I felt like I was out in left field here with Ethan, and I was in Pittsburgh where there's Children's Hospital and there's, you know, all these great, wonderful things. I thought I was in the place to be if you had a special needs baby. So with Kaylee, it was like, you know, I mean, yeah. I was demanding narcotics at three weeks old. I said, yeah. I was like, uh, yeah. nah, you're not going to argue with me about this, about you know, whether or not she <laughs> needs it or she's in pain or not. You get these open wounds and you, t- okay, let me take off a few pieces, you know, just shear off to <laughs> <of> your skin. <laughs> then tell me if you need anything for it. Right. <laughs> like, now, I what was-, was your... What was your experience on getting bandages or anything else covered by insurance for your children? Did you have insurance even? Well, I was lucky in that I had a great job when I had Ethan, but then I also had to get um, medical assistance because the things that he needed weren't covered by my my private insurance company. Like, I mean, he needed enormous amounts of you yeah. know, gauze and yeah. and such and things like Tylenol, you know, <laughs> like things like oh yeah, you no know, that we use like I used even Johnson and Johnson nursing pads like on his rear. We went Aquaphor, things like that. They're non-prescription, but you need gallons of it basically to. You know, oh, yeah. Now they were they were herlets. Did their mm-hmm. wounds not heal at all? Well, no, Ethan's didn't, and I, I mean, later in my life, I've, you know, figured out that, you know, the the way that we, we could have, he just had a bad beginning, he had a really bad beginning in that hospital, yeah. it was like, they sort of yeah. gave him to me in shambles, and so that's why with Kaylee, I protected her so fiercely, because yeah. You just can't do anything that's considered normal with them. You know, you have to be just sort of hyper vigilant about, you know, every single thing. And right. I, I think I'm digressing. What was the, <laughs> I get off no. on me. Well, no, no, that was, was just an experience on getting bandages. Now, you then now, got bandages I, I from did, a state program? To, well, I did have a nightmare once, a terrifying experience when UPS, um, you know, somebody didn't answer the door, and I had had, you know, boxes being delivered from this wound care supply company, and I was running low, which is terrible. You cannot not have supplies. I mean, that is not an option. (laughs) Like, you just can't. Right. And I was running low, and I had this terrifying experience where I had to. The UPS guy had just knocked and left and didn't. Uh, I mean, 
like usually they would leave them on the picnic table if I didn't right. answer the door fast enough. But somebody didn't, and it, I had to drive all over Pittsburgh and find this UPS store, like, in a panic before they closed. And it was terrible because, I mean, things like that yeah. are nightmarish for, yeah. you know, you don't, you just, with children who are this special needs, I mean, people just don't understand how important yeah. it is that this message is spread, that these things are important. You know, the yeah. way that healthcare is going in my country, I mean, is, and the way that we prioritize even things like children's diseases against, you right. know, what cosmetic we're going to buy from Amazon this week or something. You oh, know, I know. And, I think uh, our, yeah. to reset our, you know, yeah. So anyway, let's, anyway. let's let's talk about your books. I want to talk about yeah. your books before we run out of time. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> so, so how did it all start? How did you get started? And, well, I know. was um, I when Kaylee was born, I immediately moved when she was a week old to um, back home to Cowdersport, Pennsylvania, and deep in the woods. And I I gave up my jobs. Uh, and I gave up my everything, and I yeah. I moved back, and I, um, but then I was, you know, I my parents both worked, and I was here alone with, you know, I my brother, my younger brother's much younger than me. He was fifteen, I think, at the time. But so it was just yeah. me and Kaylee most of the time, and I was, you know lonely and bored and sometimes so I started writing a journal which I'm, yeah. I've always been a writer I've always liked writing but it yeah. became very therapeutic because it, yes. the outreach that I was trying to get you know the, the, the grief support groups around here were, were elderly women who had lost their husbands you know they, nobody could identify yeah. with me yeah. and so I started to write and um, yeah. I was, that was in 2008, and I was, I didn't, I was afraid to publish it. Um, yeah. But after several people read it and said, you know, maybe you should, and then the ebook revolution came around on Amazon, right. I, I did, I was afraid of a, a lashback because of, of ignorance or, or uh, I don't, you know, things that people don't understand. Like, well, you know, I think, uh, I mean, I can relate to that because I, I'd be mad about certain things. You know, like I remember once I posted about, so I wish a celebrity would get a kid with you. Be, you know, at the yeah. time I think Kim Kardashian was having a baby, and I'm like, you know, instead of some poor woman down in, you know, Kentucky having a kid with E.B., how about Kim Kardashian? Because she could make a difference. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. <laughs> she would be in the cover of every magazine, you know. Right. And I got I got shamed for that. I got so many people oh, calling me names. I've yeah. been there. And it's ridiculous. We need to reset our value system because if yeah. we care more about whose celebrities dating whose instead of yeah. babies dying from their skin falling off, come on. Absolutely. Like, it 
is yeah. horrifying that no one knows about this. And just yeah. today, actually, in this yeah. country, there was a, a viral post about an EB child. It was a mom's post, and it's circulating. And every once in a while, there's a surge, a little one. But the wave has got yeah. to come because it's not just EB, you know. Right. About caring about other people. It's about whether or not people deserve the best health care there is to give to every single person ever. It's about Absolutely. whether or not poor people, you know, should have the same things as rich people. You know, it's it's about things yeah. like that. Yeah. You know, that I agree. is the point. Yeah. So that's now, why... Um, yeah. Now you wrote in your books about okay. So you said that therapeutic because uh, that was my next question. Yeah. What did you learn anything from writing your books and what was it? And it's the same thing that I learned. I'm like that was just I learned so much about myself just by writing stuff down, and that's the therapy almost uh, it's a blog therapy. Now how did you come up with the title, Kiddoed? Since it's so oh, I was, I was talking <laughs> to somebody one day and I was ranting, you know, and it it was. It, because I think, especially for women, things like writing and, you know, di- having a diary or ranting to somebody or whatever is therapeutic. That does make us feel better to have somebody to identify to. But anyway, I was I was like, why don't I get a name? I, you know, I everybody yeah. get to be widowed, so everybody, you know, Everybody gives sympathy and care and nurturing and empathy and compassion to you. You get to be, you know, this and that. But people who have lost children, people are just like, get yeah. over it. Like I'm. Yeah, you can be an, right. I mean, you can be an it's orphan, or you can be a widow. But if your children die, there's no name for it. You're there's still no a parent for but, us. And I was like, well, yeah. I'll just make one. <laughs> I'll just, I'll just make one up then. I'll be kiddoed, <laughs> and right. because I felt like we need a voice. This is tragic, you know. This shouldn't be happening, and yeah. it's EB was it's my awful. experience, but it's yeah. worldwide. You know, children, people not caring enough about about other people, you know, and. The way that we have a value system that grades people, you know, and stuff like that. So yeah. I was like, well, we deserve a title. So I'm making a right. name. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So my next question is, and this is important. Now, if there's a message in particular in your books that you want readers to grasp, what is it? It's to look beyond the anger and the, you know, what – the message that I'm tr- was trying to scream from the mountaintops, you know, even if it was hard to read because it was so angry, you know, I got criticism for this. It was so angry I couldn't even, or there was so, the language was so, ugh, you know, she just can't yeah. control herself or whatever. Right. That's, right. Why aren't you, li- I was asking people to listen. Listen. Right. Our societies i mean it's we're going backwards instead of forward if i can't talk about 
how sad I am on the anniversaries or the birthdays of my son and daughter's deaths or if my family abandons me because I had to file for bankruptcy because I lost my job and my livelihood and my every my my you know family lots of EB families are divorced and split yeah. and these are lone lonely people mostly single mothers that are raising these children and yeah. it should this should never be we should be lifting these people people should be surrounding these families with anything they can give anything yeah. i mean yeah. to lift them up and to support them in any way possible all all the time, not just at the beginning, yeah. not just send a card, not just one phone call I cared once, not just a polite thing to do, but like, hey, you know, Absolutely. this is really important. Absolutely. And things like and you know, death in our society, dying, we're not allowed to talk about it, you know, oh, yeah. it's not okay. It's just not, we should be talking more. We should be talking more about Everything having yeah, to do I mean, with I mean, I wrote uh, one of the quotes that I have up. It says, uh, "If uh, if it requires takes a village to raise a child, to raise a special need, one requires a metropolis." You know, yeah, totally <laughs> like we need the whole city. You know, it was That's like right. I was shocked that people were fading away and turning their backs, and especially after when I. You know, it was, it, I mean, I fell into this terrible place that, that is common. And, yeah. you know, like PTSD and major depression and stuff like that. You know, yeah, cool, if we throw pills at it and she goes to therapy and stuff. But, like, why aren't we surrounding these people with so much help that you know, yes. they can't get any more. I don't know. Um, I mean, it's, it's uh, you know, when Nikki was born, there were no social programs in Arizona to help kids like Nikki. And when I moved to California, uh, there was there was California Children's Services, but as far as if I needed a nurse or anything so that I could go to work, there was nothing, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, if Nikki had had a mental disorder. There would have been so many programs out there for me, um, ready to go. You know, right. Down syndrome oh, yeah. or anything. Yeah, sure. Yeah. But EB, we don't know what it is. There's nothing. Uh, it's, it's like very, gray. It's like it's like people just people can't look at it. And it's the same thing with people putting these horrible. You know, people block these pictures of EB children's faces from Facebook and stuff like that because it's oh, hard yeah. to look at? Oh, they, they report them. They report them. I've been reported. Yeah. I've been blocked from Facebook, so I'm like, fine, then I'll post it on my blog. How's that? <laughs> I mean, this is tragic. This is, is not right. We, so this, tell me, we're coming to the end. We have two minutes left. So I wanted okay. to know before you go if you have any future projects real fast. And I know you got the okay. two books. One is called Kiddoed, and the second one is called Walking the Mile. Walking the Mile, right? yeah. And I, <laughs> I've actually taken that on. off and put it back on, and it's sort of a work in progress because 
I don't think this mile's over because after (laughs) you try and pick yourself back up from things like losing two kids and two divorces and, you know, all of these, the, the, the mental struggles that you have to go through in our, in the lack of help in our society. Um, I think that that story is worthy of being told also. Absolutely. Because it all circles around to the beginning. We've got to start caring about important stuff again. Absolutely. It's not okay that these kids don't have bandages or that a mother can't get enough, you know, special form, you know, fortifying formula for her baby or I so tell everybody if I mean I know you have oh, a blog. I have to tell everybody. Oh, I'm, tell everybody I'm how to find trying, your blog. Well, I'm attempting to start a publishing <laughs> company. So actually. we got a, a minute uh, left. Tell tell everybody where to find your blog and where to get your books. Okay, uh, my books are on Smashwords.com and Amazon.com, and I also um, have a blog on WordPress. And if you Google me, Jessica Kenley, all of it will show up. I'm on YouTube. I'm on Twitter. I mean, all of, it's all it's sort of splashed all over because I'm not ever going to shut up about this. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. We need uh, this. You and I. You and I need to keep going with this stuff. Yeah. Right? I'm, uh, I'll um, never stop either. So you know, the better get people you to me. listen. And I don't care if my voice is hoarse. I'm going to keep screaming. <laughs> Well, it was a pleasure having you. We're out of time. Um, uh, Thank you so much for listening to Butterfly Talk. Thank you. And if you'd like to be a guest, please send me a message. And thanks to Jessica for being our guest today. Thank you, everybody. You're so welcome. And thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Sylvia. Bye-bye.